Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people. You are in the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. You're here. It's Victory Lane. This week on the show, Spencer Davis catches the dub in St. Louis. Sam Mayer gets passed on a restart. Very emotional. Chase Cabry has his heart broken. Haley Deegan beefing with two drivers? Huh? Plus, Road America and Canadian Tire Motorsport Park action. A preview of Darlington for the annual throwback weekend. And now we start the show as we did last week with a good old reggaeton. I love it. Monaco Cocktails 125 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame from Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. I didn't have to say the race name in full that often this past weekend, but still, that kind of sucks. Tough race to say, fun race to watch and cover. It actually wound up being cut short due to time constraints, which was kind of interesting because the K&M Pro Series was there, so was IndyCar, and IndyCar was the main show. So whenever you know time constraints happen, you get on the lower series to pretty much, hey, speed it up, guys, speed it up. So it was scheduled for 125 laps, wound up only going 98 laps. Let's fast forward to the end. Josh Finopoulos, driver for Cart Idaho Racing, he blows a motor. At about 6.05 or so, because NASCAR came over the radio at about 6 o'clock. And they said, hey gang, this race is ending at a hard stop of 6.10 p.m. No questions asked. So, at that point, I'm thinking, alright, well, Sam Mayer's a leader. They're not going to be able to clean up this oil. Race is over. However, they cleaned it up. Got a green-white checkered set up for about 6.09 p.m. or so. Sam Mayer's the leader, Spencer Davis, who's been running inside the top three all day. He restarts second. Sam gets a good restart. Spencer just gets an even better one. Gets a nice push from Derek Krause on the outside, I believe, going into turn one. Clear Sam Mayer coming off of turn two. Is able to hold him off on the white flag lap. Mayer ended up getting in the marbles off of four, so he fell back from second to fourth. We'll hear about that in a second. But Spencer Davis, man, his first win in the K&M Pro Series in over three years, over 1,100 days. Crazy, crazy. Sound the siren in the Dawsonville pool room because this Georgia native is a winner once again. Audio for him is bad because I can't get it off of my computer or my phone and I didn't have time to talk with him one-on-one in audio form after we recorded the video. Are you sensing a theme here? Because I'm always out of time and I have too much to do at the track. But, man, was was he happy? He was good in this interview and he was pretty funny too. It's been a minute, but Spencer Davis is back in victory lane here at Gateway. I don't even know where to start. The green-white checker finished. Let's start there. What was going through your mind when you heard, one, the race is going to end at 6.10, and two, when you're lining up with two laps to go? Man, when we lined up there that second to last restart and my spotter came across the radio and said the race is going to be ending in 10 minutes, you know, rain or shine, um, I'm like, well, I got to give it all I got. And 21 got away from us. And, you know, I felt like I tried to do all I could right there that first restart to um, 
pull up to his side and try to get by him so I can get clean air. And it didn't work. And, you know, my another weekend finished in second. But, you know, realistically, it'll be a good weekend to build on. We're faster again. You know, our program's good. I saw that car blowing up. And I'm like, someone's shining down on us, trying to get us that win, man. And when we lined up, I just, you know, zoned out everybody, didn't listen to the spotter or nothing. Just, you know, like I said, in Victor Lane Channel, my inner Dale. You know, um, tried to intimidate him a little bit coming to the line because I knew the only way I was going to beat him, the only way I think you can beat this car this year is make the kid make a mistake. And, you know, being a veteran of this series, I feel like I'm pretty exceptional on restarts and, you know, try to execute the best I can with what I have. And, you know, you couldn't ask for a better performance right there. We got going side by side, you know, right past the line. I hit my gears better than him, got off in the one better. Um, I mean, I know he didn't give it to me, but it felt like because I drove that thing down in there till, um, you know, till I, till I saw Jesus, man. And um, it stuck, and I came out the other end leading by two. They were racing behind me, and I knew he was going to get clear pretty quick because that thing's good. It's always good. And, you know, when we took the white flag, my heart started racing. It hasn't done that in a long time. But it's been a while since I've been in this position again. You know, fortunate to have it two weekends in a row. And, man, it coming into three my spotters like i know how he races be ready for it and i heard him call it you know four three two then he's he just started shouting he slipped up he slipped up and you know at that point i'm like i don't care if someone's gaining on me we've done one this thing in the middle of three and four i started fist bumping i mean that's the happiest i've been in a race for in a long time i drove it in there until i saw jesus jesus take the wheel Derek kraus finished second place for the second race in a row so I asked him about his mindset going into the green-white checkered, given that he's in the thick of the championship hunt, and he's pretty much got this in the bag, unless some crazy stuff happens, extending his championship lead and his contact that he had with his teammate at Bill McAnally Racing, that being Haley Deegan. Back-to-back second-place finishes for Derek Krause, and he extends his k West championship points lead. I know you wanted P1. You obviously won this race last year. What was your mindset going into the green-white checkered? Uh, just big picture. I got reminded probably 50 times going on the back stretch, going into one, going three and four. Big picture, big picture, big picture. And I guess I thought about it. I gave the 30 a really good push, which I feel like that's what he needed, and gave it to him, and congrats to Spencer. So big picture was what they were telling you. Mm-hmm. What did you want to do on that restart? Were, were you thinking win, win, win? I mean, yeah, of course you're always thinking about a win, but I thought it also passed my mind, too, that I needed to uh, – think of the big picture too and i feel like that's what we need to do going into these races like i said finish top fives top threes and that's what we did today so let's talk about the big picture you obviously extend your championship points lead a handful of races left where's your confidence level at right now in the hopes of closing this out and winning your championship uh yeah i mean you always got to stay on your toes i know uh trevor had a rough day today uh blew his motor early in the race and then haley she got a flat left rear but i mean you can't lose focus you gotta you gotta you gotta stay in the mind game. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be there at the end of these races. You can't finish tenth, eleventh, twelfth, but you gotta be there at the end of the races and try to win as many as you can too. You mentioned your teammate Haley. You guys had some contact there. I assume that was a racing deal. Is that the case? Um. Yeah. I mean, I just went and got loose. I mean, I couldn't really do anything about it. Air is huge here. I mean, it's so tough to pass. And if someone, I mean, people say it drivers say it and i don't think to a regular fan they can't they don't really understand it but air is just huge i mean you can pack on someone's right side and you can you can almost spin the guy out and just went to the corner and we were just a little too close and i got loose and got into her a little bit but 
mean, I guess that's racing. I think it's a racing deal. I'm sure, sure she thinks differently. I'd think differently too, but uh, you just got to move on and just try to stay away from her. Try to stay away from her? Hmm. That comment was not lost on me. I kind of perked up when I heard that at the end of that interview there. But, uh, yeah, that was interesting. I Something tells me, just something, that I think that those two drivers might get together again later on this season. Just a hunch. David Gillen was in his first K&N East start ever. Ever. But he's a, East, he's a West veteran, I should say. Came home third in this race. He really enjoyed racing in this series that has meant a lot to him and his family for a long, long, long time. He was subbing for the ill Ty Gibbs. I say ill in quotation marks because that is what we were told. Uh, but Ty Gibbs was ill. He was sick, so he did not race. Um, and David Gillen filled in for him. Finished in third, qualified in the top five, ran in there all day. And, man, old man still got it. David Gillen in his first K&N start in almost, I think, over a decade. Comes on with a podium finish in third place. The final restart seemed pretty chaotic. How was it from your seat? It was good, man. I was super excited to be on the outside finally. I was on the inside on every other restart of the whole race and felt like we gave up spots every every time being down there. So I was really looking forward to restarting up top. And um, Sam didn't get his best restart of the race for sure. And, and the, uh, the 30 and the 16 kind of got by me. And... Um, just kind of kind of ended up there so uh real proud of the guys uh it was a lot of fun racing again this is a, a really neat racetrack and um, we love the k&n series has been uh, been a part of our life for a long time and um just a lot of fun racing out there again today fourth place was sam mayer he was he was pretty heartbroken very hard on himself pretty emotional coming out of the trailer to talk to us um but he's a young driver who wound up just getting beaten by a couple really good drivers that are a little bit older than him I think it's nothing more than that. It's it's one of those things that just happens in racing. And when you're 16 years old at this point, I keep wanting to call him 17, but he's so damn young. Stuff like this is going to happen. Close, but no cigar for Sam Mayer. He loses the lead on the green-white checkered final restart. Take me through your mindset as to what it was going into the green-white checkered restart. Because I know on the radio they were coaching you up to get a better restart than the prior one because you spun your tires. Yeah, um, I mean, just... Don't mess up, pretty much, is what they were telling me, and that's what I was telling myself, too. And I mean, I didn't really mess up at all. We had a really good restart. Just the 16 gave the 30 a heck of a push, and uh, they, 30 was actually able to clear me off into one. Uh, just that gave, that gave the race to 30, pretty much, just him getting the push. Uh, I don't know why David didn't get a good restart. He usually he's really good at those. He was good at them all day. Uh, and... Man, I just, going off into three, I just missed it. Not going to lie. So on the bright side of things, you obviously extend your points lead over Chase Caber, who had some trouble. Seemed like he was going to be challenging you for the win today, but you extended your points lead. And what's your confidence at right now going into the last few races of the year as you pretty much got this thing wrapped up if you show up, I guess? Yeah, I mean, we're looking really good, but today we didn't really earn anything. I mean, everything was given to me on a silver platter, and I only took about half of it, so... I feel like I definitely got work to do on my end, and when I say some, I mean I have a lot of work to do on my end, uh, just get everything together so I can hopefully go win a championship. I really hope you guys enjoyed that little girl who sounded like a crying animal in the background. That was so ridiculously frustrating. Me and Lori who, from GMS Racing, who is at the track with us every week, we were like so mad. We were like, shut up! Like, oh my god, like we were looking at her dad who was basically, like, trying to corral her. And I was like, dude, like, we're trying to do some work here. Can you 
Can you just relax, please? Good Lord. Uh, moving on. Big crash on lap one happened with Ruben Garcia Jr. He got loose underneath of Max McLaughlin. Uh, Tanner Gray was involved as well. McLaughlin's day was over before it really even began. But Ruben came back for a sixth-place finish. It was an impressive fight for that team, the two-team, not the six this weekend. It was lap one when Ruben Garcia Jr.'s day started to go downhill, but Rev Racing guys patched it up. I see there's a ton of Barabon on this thing. You guys came home uh, at the end of the day. What happened on lap one with the contact? It seemed like it happened in turn three. You just kind of lost it? Yeah, um, I went through one and two real good. Uh, I had a big run on them, and then I passed a couple of cars on the bottom, and then I was on the inside of the 15, and then just drove it in normal, got a little loose. Well, I got really loose on the entry, and then just the, the air sucked me out and spun out. Uh, and then disaster uh, after that. Uh, just really don't know. Um, guess a mistake on there, my end. I, I feel sorry for my team. Just it was a really long day, a really tough day. We we really didn't have the speed we we wanted to whole weekend. So we're just trying to finish as best as possible. Uh, even though we finished sixth, so after having a ginormous hole in the nose and a wrecked left front suspension, I'll take the sixth. And the other driver involved in that crash, besides McLaughlin, was Tanner Gray. Seemed like he was actually trying to make a little bit of a comeback after that, but he had a flat tire in the 15 camp for DGR, slammed the wall super hard, came to pit road, and his day was done from there. I mentioned it at Bristol. He's kind of becoming like the Chase Elliott of the series where he's so damn hard on himself every single week. But I guess that's just how this guy's wired. Tanner Gray's day went downhill pretty early on lap one. You guys tried to fight back, but ultimately a flat tire forced you into the wall. First of all, what happened from your perspective on the first lap? I don't know. I guess the two got loose underneath us and then just caught us in the left rear and um, spun us around and uh, backed in the fence pretty good and then after that, it was just uh, trying to uh, salvage the day, and uh, obviously that didn't work out for us either. So um, not a good day for us here. Um, I, mean, I felt like we, we had a, a really fast car and um, didn't qualify where I wanted to, but I felt like we were we had the speed. You know, it just I felt like after qualifying, it was the best our car had been handling all day, and I felt really good about it. Um, and got a decent start. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing great, but uh, gained a couple positions there off the start, and uh, yeah, and then drove her down in three and just got tagged in the left rear. But um, you know, all sucks. But everybody from DGR uh, did a, a really good job bringing a, a fast race car and. Um, you know, it was fun to have David out here racing with me and, um, you know, getting to learn from him and, and whatnot. So, uh, sucks neither of us ended up in victory lane, but uh, we'll go back to the shop and, and work on it. Jagger Jones had an okay day. Wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. Um, but Sunrise Ford had some motor issues. His teammate, uh, Trevor Huddleston, I keep wanting to call him Brian Partridge. Jeez. Trevor Huddleston blew an engine very early in the race. Jagger blew up in practice the day before. And then he told me afterwards that he was actually down on horsepower for pretty much the entire second half of the race, which wouldn't really matter because he said that they were a 7th to 10th place car anyway. But Bob Rinkite has got to figure out what's going on with those engines. 7th place finish for Jagger Jones. He survives the battle of attrition that I've been teasing this whole podcast, whatever you want to call it. This will be in a podcast. Um, you said you were down on some horsepower. What's the deal with that? 
Yeah, we got to take a look at a few things. We blew one up in practice yesterday, and then Trevor blew one up, obviously, on the first lap of the race, and then we were struggling, too. Um, so I don't know. We'll get that figured out, hopefully, um, for the bigger tracks at Phoenix, and hopefully it'll help us everywhere. So P7, we, we lasted, like you said. Uh, we made some good adjustments to the car, but uh, we were fighting probably 10th through 7th the whole race. doesn't really matter. Colin Garrett has one of his better runs this season at Gateway. There's been a ton of bad luck for Sam Hunt Racing throughout the season, but for this day to come home clean, not a scratch on the car, in one piece, I feel like that's a win in and of itself. Solid run overall today for Colin Garrett. Ran inside the top six or seven for most of the race and came home with a respectable top ten finish. It seemed like it was a battle of attrition today, and you survived that. Pretty solid day. Yeah, it was a really good day. Um, Sam Hunt and all the guys from Sam Hunt Racing brought a uh, really good Propel GPS uh, Chevrolet SS. Um, you know, we brought on Brian Kozlowski as our crew chief this week. Uh, he helped us out a lot. Um, we had really good long run speed, but our just short run speed, you know, it didn't work out for the uh, green white checkers. So we just we couldn't get going fast enough. But um, all in all, good day. Here's where it gets good, everybody. Todd Souza and Haley Deegan, they had a disagreement of sorts. I'm. I'm hesitant at calling it a rivalry because, well, I don't really think it is because I can kind of consider a rivalry where there's two drivers that are running around the same placement each week. Like Derek Krause and Haley Deegan, you could argue that was a rivalry. Sam Mayer and Chase Cabry, and we'll hear from Chase in a little bit, but by the way, they squashed their beef, for lack of a better term. That was a big rivalry because they run 1-2 every single week. Haley runs in the top five in the K&N West every single week, top three. Todd runs in the top eight, top ten. So I don't really want to call it a rivalry. Like People were talking about the U.S. Open this week, that Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams was a rivalry. Serena is 18-2 and two against Maria. That's not a rivalry. That's just a matchup that keeps happening. Um, anyways, I digress. So Todd Souza did not hold back uh, on what happened on the green-white checkered. You read the story this week on NASCAR Home Tracks, I hope. Um, but here, I want you to listen to it. Souza vowed payback, he felt disrespected, and he called Haley Deegan spoiled and rotten and a little baby. Take a listen. It seemed like it was a battle of attrition today, and Todd Souza survived that until the green-white checker, where it seems like you and the 19 got into a little bit of a disagreement. What happened from your perspective? Yeah, no, we just I got, she jacked me up going into one underneath the, the rear of my car. I hadn't been around her all race, and you know we were a little bit off, fought back, got her lap back, made some changes, and got the car better, and... Uh, you know, I guess she uh, caught the lucky dog that last one after she went down a lap from uh, that tire blowout she had. And, you know, I guess she thought that was a desperate move for her just to start moving people with the with her car. So, yeah, it, uh, we're going to some bigger tracks uh, later in the year, and, and there will be a payback. Is that what, one of the main reasons why you were so upset was because this is one of the biggest tracks that we go to this year? Right. You know, just full-on disrespect there to anybody. I mean, we've got a lot of money in this car just as much as they've got in those cars. And uh, you know, I support this series. I spent a lot of money to have someone jack me up for one spot, going into one and taking a, a chance of you know losing a car. Just it's not. It's just ridiculous her mindset and to to just be you know as spoiled rotten as she is. You know she drives like she's a spoiled rotten little baby. Well then, tell me how you really feel, Mr. Souza. Good lord. Uh, we'll ask Haley Deegan about that once we ask her about her race as a whole. The contact that she had with Derek Krause, she disagrees with him, and then the Todd Souza incident. 
An eventful day for Haley Deegan at Gateway. One of her best runs on the East Coast, you could say, but unfortunately did not pan out the way she wanted to. She had a flat tire and wound up finishing, uh, we don't have the finishing order in front of us, <laughs> either inside the top 10 barely or right outside of it. Can you just walk me through your race as a whole? It seemed like one of the more eventful ones that you've been in. Yeah, it's probably one of the best races we've had on the East Coast, and we're having a really good run. I was battling with David Gill, and like, how many times can you say in your career, especially at the point where I'm at in Key Racing K&N, that you can say you like passed David Gill? <laughs> it's probably one of the coolest things I ever get to say right now, um, but obviously pass me back. But um, I think that we learned so much this weekend. We had some new help on our team, and just the whole vibe, it was, it was just a winning vibe. Not necessarily that we were going to win. We had a good top three car. Um, but I think we could have had a shot at it maybe in the end with what panned out. And I think that at the end of the day, what happened, I was having a good run. And Derek definitely, he, I get what happened in Colorado. And I know, obviously, like, stuff's going to come back. But it's to the point now where we're past that. He's taking his little jabs at me at races and stuff. But in the end, it comes, it goes swings get thrown one way get thrown the other usually things that happen to you get happened back and they keep bouncing back and forth and so I don't know it's just it sucks that it was my team like not necessarily that it was my teammate who did it and it wasn't even for like a win but like I don't think he intentionally was like I'm gonna cut her tire <laughs> it just that's what happened but I think we just take the positives away from this race take our good run and everyone saw our run like there wasn't a person out there that didn't that was watching the race see how good we were running and i think i made a good point this weekend obviously not the finish we wanted which i think we've just been struggling lately we have good runs and then just the finish doesn't pan out how we want it but i think we just have to take positive leave the negatives and keep moving towards the championship even though it's going to be really hard to get <laughs> <laughs> and on the greenway checkered restart um todd souza was not too pleased with you what did he say to you and what do you think happened yeah, he cussed me out for sure. I was a little nervous there for a second. He started, like, coming in my trailer as I was sitting down. Yeah. Nice. I know. I was like, bro, you're, like, 50. Are you going to, like... I thought he was going to... Uh, there was a brief second there. I thought he was going to do something, like, hit me or something. Like, I legit was like... All of a sudden, I was like, whatever. I was like, whatever. I'm like, sorry that you're putting around in, like, third gear on the restarts. And I'm going to turn one. Like, I have to move. Like, I need positions. And I was just back on the lead lap. I needed to make up as much ground as I could. And it was between him and the 77. Like, come on, what do you want me to do when you have the two slowest guys in front of you? I picked the one that was faster and gave him a little nudge. Not going necessarily into the corner. It was on the straightaway. Like, I'm going to push you so I can clear 77 and get back to the high groove where it's fast. I didn't. I wasn't going to take him out. I think he thought I was trying to, like, dump him or something for a caution. I didn't need a caution. We were coming to the end. And <laughs> not that I'd make a caution out of a slow car, but... At the end of the day, he was in the way. He moved out of the way and moved up. It's not like I came down across his nose and tried to take him out again. Like, I needed to go. Like, I, I have positions to get. Every point matters when it comes down to championships. They get won and lost within one point. So there's that. It, it was kind of interesting to see because I was walking through the garage after the race trying to get quotes from everybody. And I just saw Michael Munoz, who's Todd Sousa's crew chief, screaming in the direction of the 19 hauler. He was screaming at Kyle Wolasek, who's the crew chief for Haley Deegan. Kevin Bellacourt, who's the GM for Bill McAnally Racing, comes over. He has to hold Munoz back. Then Souza starts yelling, so he starts holding Todd back. Then Haley apparently was there, and like Haley said right there, apparently Todd was like almost coming in or holler. I, I don't know. It was, it was pretty crazy, so it, it was wild. I don't know why it's just like crazy, but it was crazy and it was crazy. 
let's talk about Chase Cabry. Man, heart, heartbreak for this driver. He led the first 67 laps from the pole. Unfortunately, though, he had an electrical issue during the day and wound up finishing 13th seven laps down. The electrical issue happened during the halfway break. He comes down pit road as the leader. I heard him radio in that he was having some type of issues with his car, with the clutch or firing or something or the other. And unfortunately, they couldn't get it fixed in time, wound up going a few laps down, and he could never recover from there. And also, unfortunately for him, his title hopes are all but dashed now. It looked like it might have been Chase Cabry's day, but unfortunately, uh, around the halfway break, something happened electrically with your car. Do you guys know what went down? I don't. Uh, they seemed to fix it. I didn't figure out what it was. Uh, it just sucks. Uh, it's very disheartening. These guys put way too much time into our cars. Uh, they, they really, Josh and Glenn spent 40 hours and a matter of three days working on this thing to try to get it ready to come here. And uh, to be as fast as it was is awesome. But to have just a little bit of bad luck and sometimes when it's not meant to be, I guess it's not to be, meant to be. So uh, I guess we'll get ready to go to Loudoun. We were fast there last year and we've had speed the last couple of races, the whole season really. Um, it just, it's tough to swallow. I know coming in, the chances were relatively bleak at the championship. But after this, Sam obviously uh, comes home with a top five finish and you had your misfortune. Is it kind of starting to set in that this just isn't going to be the year for you to ho- hoist the title? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Um, we really, really put a lot of time in these cars this year uh, to try to make them as good as they can possibly be. And, and they were just bad luck uh, throughout the season really bit us so uh proud of my guys we'll keep going and uh, go on to loud and we're chasing a couple wins not the day to write home about for Brittany zamora either sheesh feel bad for her two blown motors in one day yikes two blown motors in one day for Brittany zamora obviously not a good day for you guys I, I guess there was nothing you could really do during the race i heard that you said you were smelling a little bit of gas and you felt the motor going out of turn four yeah, so it was a little bit different scenario than in qualifying. Qualifying, I had no idea, no clue. It just went on me. And here in the race, going into turn three, I smelled a little bit of fuel. Um, I was kind of beside myself. I'm like, this can't be me. Like, this can't be it. And then coming out of four, I throttled down and had no power. Next thing you know, it's it, got, it went on me. So um, just a frustrating day. I mean, it's nobody's fault that the engines blew two in one day sucks i haven't had a motor blow on me in over two years so two in one day is not not fun but i mean just got to keep our heads up and hoping this bad luck like ends i'm tired of it <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say we, we yeah. thought that you got rid of it last weekend at evergreen but clearly not well i mean yeah. there's nothing you can do no there's nothing you can do in the driver's seat about when it comes to that so um hopefully things turn around at meridian again for us and it stays that way so overall i would say that the monaco gateway I can't even say it. I'm not even going to look at the page. I'm going to try to do it off of memory. The Monaco Cocktails Gateway Classic 125 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Good. Never going to say that in my entire freaking life again. That was a damn good race. I really do think so. Uh, Even though it was cut a little bit short, we had a really cool winner emerge, a cool story at that, and a heck of a finish at the end. A lot of storylines coming out of it as well. So Gateway, thanks for having us. It was a fun time. Before we get to our interview with Michael Annette, driver for Junior Motorsports in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, let's hit on the Xfinity Series from Road America and the trucks from Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. The SeaTech Manufacturing 150 in Elkhart Lake 
you had A.J. Allmendinger. I call him Road Course Ringer Dinger. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto, Christopher Bell, and Austin Sindrick. Those are kind of the big four drivers who stole the show on Saturday. It wound up being C. Bell into victory lane for his first time on a road course ever. He ended up holding off the field in a green-white checkered for his sixth, count him, sixth win this season. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, in my head anyway, it was a little bit easier on a green-white checkered than it is whenever you're leading with 10 or 12 to go just because, you know, it's like, man, that's a lot of corners to make a mistake, and you just got to go out there and plug away. So uh, when the yellow came out, the timing of the yellow was um, disappointing for me because I had just gapped Almondinger a little bit, so I didn't want to see a yellow. But uh, at the same hand, you know, the yellow just means less laps that I have a chance to make a mistake. So uh, I, was, I was okay with it um, after, it after it worked out. But you just never know how restarts are going to work out if a guy is going to um, force it three wides. So the, uh, the last couple laps were honestly two of the easiest laps I had just because I had space and, and I could, I could kind of take it easy. And it was the Brett Moffitt show in the Chevrolet Silverado 250 at Mossport. He led every lap in the first stage. Most of the laps in the second, but he did not win that stage because he's playing strategy. And then the third, he dominated it and won again. Second win in a row this season to open up the playoffs. Fourth in the playoffs in a row if you date back to last season. And this driver for GMS Racing, he is staking his claim for a repeat championship. Um, you know, it all starts from the people in the GMS Fab Shop and, and building us great road course trucks and um just great trucks in general and then you know they pass it on to jerry and our guys back at the shop to assemble it and you know it starts from the ground up and we unload this weekend and we're fast we qualify well and um we make great adjustments during second practice there we didn't get a lot of laps in first practice but second practice made really strong adjustments to get the truck driving how i needed it to and uh the biggest thing is we had a plan uh from you know monday or tuesday this week of what to do and we had a truck capable of executing the speed it needed to to, to go with that play-in, and we stuck to it. And um, you know, Our goal was to win stage one for that playoff point and try to win the race for those five playoff points, and we executed it to 100%, and you know, that's all we can ask for, and just you know, stay firing on all cylinders like that. Interview time! Let's chat with Junior Motorsports Xfinity Series driver Michael Annette. I'm going to be honest. So I've said it on maybe not 2.0, but I definitely said it on 1.0 of Victory Lane. I wrote this guy off. I called him trash, <laughs> but I've come back a little bit. I haven't done the full 180 on it, but I've done like a one, 120, 130 or so. Um, this is a really nice conversation we had. He's a really cool guy. We talked about how he and his family got into racing in the first place, why ice hockey was a big part of his life growing up. A really cool story there. Uh racing and being friends for and with Dale Earnhardt Jr., dealing with his lack of performance at JRM while his teammates are winning races and championships, how that weighed on him. I think what he said, and you'll have to listen to it to find out, but what he said about getting on the airplane and his mindset every single week, that was kind of telling to me. Uh, the Daytona win that he had earlier this season to open up 2019 and what that did for him and his team confidence-wise, his expectations changing week to week, moreover season to season, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy our chat. Joined now by Michael Annette, driver of the number one Chevy for Junior Motorsports. Looking good in the fire suit. I, I always say your car is probably one of the most eye-popping schemes. In the I appreciate garage. it. Appreciate it. Yeah, like we uh, we changed this year to the flat white with the gloss decals. I think that uh, 
definitely makes it pop a little bit more. I, I so I, I like it this year, year a lot. So let's start with the beginning, Michael. Uh, you got into racing, I believe, because you, your family was sponsoring Sammy Swindell at Knoxville. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, started with uh, Mike Brooks uh, at, running weekly at, at Knoxville way before wings were even a thing. And, yeah. And um, uh, progressed with uh, Sammy Swindell and, and running with the World of Outlaws up until uh, 1993. So, uh and even then we then we started doing 360s with david hesmer at knoxville weekly so um you know week in and week out as a little kid see i was would have been seven and 93 so for seven years uh just week in week out different racetracks all over um some of my best memories were the slick 50 series in, in phoenix in in the winter time uh in if uh, if we weren't at knoxville so just uh, grew up around racing and Definitely, uh, you know, knew what I wanted to do at an early age for sure. Well, maybe you didn't because you had a background in hockey. As, as I mean, th this is the thing that I think a lot of people know about you, but I, I don't think it gets enough pub because it's, it's such, such an interesting story to me. How does a kid from Iowa who's involved in racing start playing ice hockey? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 bigger in Iowa than it is in North Carolina. I know that, True. but uh, um, you know, it's not real big. It's not like a Minnesota or the Northeast up where, where we are now in New Hampshire. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, you don't go racing unless your mom says it's okay. And she, uh, it took, uh, 18 and a half years to get that okay from her. So, uh, I remember his second grade, my dad had got out of, uh, sponsoring that and owning that, that sprint car with Sammy. Uh, in 93 and it was a couple weeks after that just had a couple buddies that were going to to practice after school and i was planning on going to their house uh you know after school and hanging out so went to practice with them and the next day honestly was the next day was getting signed up for the learn to skate program and uh going to the pro shop and getting outfitted with gear and just really took off from from that point on but you know the the love for racing never quit you know those guys were you know all those guys that were involved in hockey that's all they could think about and yeah i loved hockey and you know it was my focus to be the best hockey player i could but man on weekends and, and as soon as we were done with our game saturday night i couldn't wait for the cup races cup race to start sunday yeah I'm, i feel like you're probably one of the only guys in the locker yeah, room now exactly. saying hey you gonna watch the race with me exactly. nope. <laughs> nope but i also know that you played against uh somebody named oh, i think Sidney crosby mm -hmm. You might yeah. have heard of him. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was my junior year of high school. I moved to Chi the Barrington, Illinois, just a suburb of Chicago. Um, there, you know, like I said, Iowa wasn't a real hotbed for, uh, you know, kind of we call it travel league. And then there's high school hockey, and the high school program really wasn't that strong. So uh, moved to Barrington, Illinois, and played for Team Illinois, which was uh, AAA midget major level and uh, kind of a breeding ground to get you on a junior hockey team and um, so played there for a year and traveled around and Shattuck St. Mary's where Sydney went to high school was a uh, part of our schedule so that that year got to play against him three or four times and actually we lost to them by a goal in the national championship that year wow. so um, yeah that that was pretty cool and and then went from there to Waterloo Iowa where now in coming to the story Iowa becomes a hotbed for hockey yeah and there's a ton of junior A teams across the Midwest, took and, them long enough, and quite a few, quite a few in Iowa, and um, you know, and that's where started to play against uh, some other, other big names and play with some big names. Uh, Joe Pavelski, yep. you know, just uh, got traded to Dallas this year, but uh, 
you know, he was the captain of my team that, that year. We won the national championship with Waterloo. So, um, and Jared Bull, a guy I played with in at TI, he had a bunch of years in, in Columbus, Ohio, playing for the Blue Jackets and I think led the league in penalty minutes for three or four years in a row. <laughs> he was, he, he was an enforcer, so it was fun to watch him. And Joe Bavelsi just made the Stanley Cup with the Sharks. Like, that that must be so cool to see somebody who is your friend in the Stanley Cup Finals. It's yeah, nuts. Yeah, I mean, going into the playoffs this year, I uh, I really thought this was the year for him, and he just had a string of bad luck with injuries, mm -hmm. and they went into that final game uh, pretty much with half a, half a, a team. They were missing, you know, all their best players. So it was a, a shame the way that turned out for him, but – um, you know, hopefully, hopefully Dallas. You know, they made the playoffs this year yeah. and win a couple of rounds. So hopefully, uh, they, they're put something together there that he'll finally get a cup. Race car drivers are tough, but I think hockey players are a different breed, man. Like they are, they are crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 makes it very hard to watch soccer and basketball. <laughs> I tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, you know. So those are some of the best gifts or memes, whatever you want to call yeah, them, when yeah. they, they compare those two guys with LeBron getting carried out with five guys carrying yeah. him because he's got Yeah, and all these soccer players and, flopping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it makes it hard to respect those a little bit. Yeah, I definitely feel that. So you mentioned that, you know, all your, your teammates were just thinking hockey 24-7, but you, in the back of your mind, couldn't wait to watch the cup race on Sunday, and you always had that passion and that love for racing. But what, what was that one moment, if there was a moment, that – you decided to to grab the steering wheel and put the puck and the stick aside. Well, kind of like I told you, got the okay from mom. Uh, that was that was the biggest part. Half the battle, right there. Yeah, it was about there's about a quarter left of that the final year I played hockey, and you know I'm five ten. Back then I was a buck eighty five, um, and kind of my path it, it was going to lead to a D three school. Um, play four years there and then it'd probably be in Des Moines I were working for my dad's trucking company and and um, you know still had that love for racing and um, was always just kind of chirping in my mom's ear and my dad's ear about it and finally got the okay and and got everything lined up and it was uh, it was honestly a week after we lost in the playoffs that year uh, I was in Memphis Motorsports Park in the Silver Crown car testing so um, it was a it took 19 years to get the transition, but when it did, it, it took a week. So that, that, <laughs> that part was good, and, and it's just kind of been a fast-forward since then. Things happen fast in racing, as you know. Um, it's a cliche, but an important question. Junior Motorsports, obviously, on your fire suit. What is it like racing for Dale Jr., somebody who is synonymous with the sport? Like, if you ask somebody who watches the sport or doesn't even watch the sport, Dale Jr. is one of the first people that they think of. What's it, what's it like racing for him and having his friendship? Yeah, I mean, there's just a there's a lot to live up there, live up to, and a lot of expectation, for sure. um, especially uh, not only driving for Junior Motorsports, but coming off two uh, two championships in a row uh, with that nine team. Um, there's just um, you know you're getting in in the best stuff, and uh, you just want to do your part, and and um, you know we just we have a lot of fun. It's a family oriented. Uh, organization and you know it's you know dale dale jr's name on, on the team but kelly and lw they work their tails off and and uh, just uh, a lot of people around there that that make uh, make this this whole organization work and it's just uh, it's something that you you know you wake up every morning you, just, you tell you ask yourself how can you can be better to make that that team better so just uh it's just a, a lot of fun and a dream 
dream race team uh, to to be in the position I'm in. It's it's a dream to be a race car driver and with this team, but there's no sugarcoating that the the past few seasons have been rough. I mean, you had I think it was one top five in 66 races while your teammates are winning races, championships. I'm curious, honestly, how hard was it for you mentally to go to the racetrack every week, do your thing, but the results just weren't panning out for you the way that they were for your teammates who were in the same equipment? Yeah, I mean, it. you just uh, you keep, you know, you go to the airplane and you just keep hoping you did something different through the week and you're going to get in that car and unload and uh, a light switch is going to go off. And, and that just, it, it doesn't happen in our sport. There's no, there's no light switches, otherwise everybody would would be flipping them on so um you know it it is definitely tough you just you have to keep reminding yourself that you got to this point for a reason you've won races in the past you you rattle off top fives in the past you just have to keep telling yourself you you didn't forget how to do this and um you know the the, having a great support system around you um you know guys on your team that believe in you you know going off you know really like you said dismal and tough year last year not making the playoffs we didn't not one guy besides a, a couple engineers because of one of them was going back to school and um, nothing changed at all, honestly. So uh, to have those guys stand behind you and believe in you uh, helps tremendously. But just a totally different mentality when, when you are running as good as we are. Obviously, we want a lot more and we want to be competing uh, for, for, you know, we're there competing for wins, but we want to be uh, winning more. So. Um, it, but it's just fun walking in, walking in the shop with your head held a little bit higher, oh, a little more pep in your step. And not only myself, just all the guys on this team, it's fun to see them enjoying themselves and proud of what they're doing on the weekends. And I'm sure that the, the Daytona win to kick off the year, like, like, first of all, where was your confidence at leading up to that race with, with the results, like we mentioned? And then once that win came about, I mean, your confidence had to just have skyrocketed. Yeah. I mean, uh, the confidence that's. I kind of go back to the support system. You know, we Travis Mack came on board last mm-hmm. year, and and he just he doesn't let you believe any other way other than you're going to have success. And you know, he just eats, sleeps, dreams. You know, how are, how is he going to make this team better? How can I make Michael better? How can I get the car better? Um, he just never quits believing that way, and he just it's contagious and doesn't let you believe anything else. And you know, it, he had me at the point of sitting in the Jarvis meeting at Daytona, just kind of like, man, that trophy's going home with us today. There's no one can do anything about it. You know, the car's strong. I've watched film. I've been in enough of these. Um, you know, it's, there, there's just no doubt about it. Kind of zero bleeps given at that point and, and just go do it. Um, so the confidence was at a high going in and, and, uh, you know, it's hard to, to fit our heads through that tunnel leaving there after that. <laughs> That's a good problem to have yeah. though. I mean, before that and after that too, I'm sure. I and mean, Dale Jr. talked about it in the media center right there. I was, I was pretty intrigued listening to him because he never lost faith in you. Mm-hmm. When frankly, a lot of people from the outside they wrote you off. Yep. What was it like to have his assurance, reassurance, confidence in you that despite all the struggles that you've had in the past, when your confidence was down, he never wavered. Like he was by your side 110 percent, and he's the man that's name is on the organization. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got to start at the top. Um, if to have people sticking by you, you know, there, there's, I've been in situations where you might have one ally on a, on a race team that's always fighting for you, but they're, they, uh, they, they don't pull enough weight at that team or, or however you want to say it. But so, yeah, to have it at start at the top and, and have that confidence, it, it just trickles down and, 
and um you know but it's still up to you and up to our team to to you know bring in the results and, and make them see the difference in in the the fruits of our labor and, and just all the hard work it's um you know I, I look back on years where i would work my tail off do the homework you know put in the work and during the week and then you go get in the race car and you're two tenths slower than where you were the week before and it's just uh it's gut-wrenching so mm -hmm. to to be able to unload and have the speed see the car continue to get better throughout the weekend just makes you you know like i said earlier do your part and and just put in all the effort you can well it's paying off because you got five top five so far this year it seems like you're on track for a borderline career season in the xfinity series you pointed to travis mack i think he might be kind of the thing that makes this all go is he one of the linchpins that is making everything click for the one team so far this season yeah definitely I, you know it starts with your your leaders and i put travis and myself at the top of that you know it starts with your attitude um your mentality of how you how you approach this um we uh were together way too often and and um you know if somebody's in a bad attitude or has a bad attitude or having a bad day it's you know everyone works together bring them up but starts with uh starts with travis and myself and that's the cool part about this one team is it doesn't take much to turn turn the mood around yeah. uh you know everybody's here and and uh you know the the fun part about this is everyone has had the same goal from the time we started and um you know just feels like you know the ropes being pulled all all in the same direction all by everybody and it's just fun to to be your part pulling pulling that rope and and uh but travis is the one that that sets uh sets the goals out there that we're reaching for and we're not quite there yet but um you know as a as a group uh we're going to get there eventually but it's because of his leadership and and uh, his mentality and game plan that's going to get us there right and he has a lot of experience atop the pit box but i i feel like experience from from the driver's seat for you as well has got to play a big part in it because you have over 100 cup starts people might forget that because they just label you as an xfinity jar but you have ran in the cup series for years upon years that's got to do wonders for the team as a whole as well the experience yeah that that's one thing i'm i'm learning more than anything this year is having the speed and and being running where we are you know i'm still learning on restarts what i need to do different um just have a, a ton of laps and a ton of starts but not a, a whole lot of top fives honestly right. and until this year so um yeah the experience is, is big and it helps me a lot but you know as for being a veteran and around for 10 10 plus years uh still i have learned a ton this year and still have a lot more to learn and i'm sure like you mentioned being a veteran when you get into the sport, I'm sure your expectations are sky high. A lot of kids say, I want to win a cup championship. And then when they realize that racing might not be as easy as it seems, they say, all right, I want to win a race. Or now I want to win an Xfinity championship, Xfinity race. Have your expectations in terms of, you know, the ultimate career goal, have they have they changed throughout your career? And if so, how have they changed and what are they now? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they change weekly. Honestly, um, going into this season, top tens was a goal and running consistently in the top 10 and you did pretty and, well to start and that, off <laughs> and that became that became too easy and then it was you know top fives and going for wins mm -hmm. and and you know we keep hearing and i even heard our, our boss kelly's radio show this week and you know we had all all four cars in in the top 10 again at kentucky and you know i think the worst was eighth and it's like man that's cool but we know how much we got to gain on mm -hmm. those guys that are, are winning races. So um, top fives are good, but, um, you know, 
we're changing our goals. Their top fives aren't good enough anymore. It's winning seg- winning stages and getting those bonus points for playoffs and, and, and winning races. So, yeah, it, it's a sport where you, you can never rest on anything and you can never be, uh, you know, the highs can never be too high and the lows can never be too low because mm-hmm. your goals are going to change, like I said, weekly. Michael, you seem, you seem very happy with where you're at right now in terms of your career. And this year, obviously, getting the win and running consistently top 10s, top 5s. It seems like you guys are clicking on all cylinders. So what are the expectations for the rest of 2019? You're all butt locked into the postseason. What are the expectations for you and the team once you get in that postseason? Uh, it's just going to take um, you know everything I've learned from this year. Like I said, it, being up front on those restarts in those first two or three rows and um, you come playoff time you really can't have a bad bad restart you got to look at how many bonus points those those top three are going to have going in those those bonus points are really going to carry them round by round um, so it's going to be a really tough competition uh, for that for that four slot into into homestead so uh, it's just going to be putting the whole weekend together I, I said after a race at Kentucky felt like uh, you know if I had a little bit more speed right when we unloaded it just progresses that progression uh, throughout the weekend um but it's just going to be uh you know getting that first run of practice and picking up you know finding a little bit more speed there and then carrying that qualifying a little bit better um it's just going to be taking everything we've learned uh through throughout the year and in going rounds and playoffs getting as many segment points as possible and winning segments and and winning races so um you know kind of we won that race in daytona is like man we're going to take some chances and and Might as maybe well. st- stay out and, and try to try to win some you know get those bonus points i'm talking about and and kind of have to step back and say man we got to learn a little bit here and, and make sure we have everything in place and you know I, i've said it before but i think you know you look at tyler reddick last year in that nine car one daytona and then tore up a lot of stuff but he was you know hauling the mail doing it. he was going fast when he was tearing those cars up but he learned and learned and you look at the playoffs he was the most consistent guy um was really quiet in the playoffs but he acquired a lot of segment points and was uh right there at the end and put it all together at homestead so that's our plan next weekend michael we're going to your home track iowa speedway i know it's probably very very nice to get some hometown time and to to be cheered on by your hometown fans but what do you think of the track in general and how do you feel about iowa in general being your home track is there any extra added pressure for you uh, there, you know, my answer to that is always there's there's no added pressure. Just I I got to treat every race the same. Just like I know these guys prepare the car the same every week. If if they put a little extra effort in one week to the next, it's like well, why weren't you doing that every week? So that's how I look at it. But it's definitely definitely becomes one of the busier weekends. That's for sure. And trying to to spread yourself as much as possible, but still focus on the job at hand. But you know, the racetrack itself, uh, it, it's got the most character probably as anywhere that we go you know we kind of we talk about atlanta chicago iowa um california or uh auto club as as the oldest and roughest surface we go to in in iowa probably takes the cake just there you know some tracks just have bumps in certain parts of the racetrack iowa it's just kind of rough everywhere um you know i never thought we'd be running up at the wall there the way we do now and but good cars can still, yep. you know, we watched that 51 truck in the, the afternoon, you know, before our race here earlier in the year, and that whole segment on the bottom, you go out there and try it, and you're like, there's no way you can do that. <laughs> but you, you work on that in practice, you can. So 
Uh, it's just a track where you got to have a car that can move around, go where the other cars aren't, and uh, there's not a whole lot of tracks we can do that right now, but Iowa's definitely one where you can run far wide through the corners. Well, Michael, good luck this weekend. Stay cool. Don't get too hot. Uh, enjoy next weekend in Iowa, and best luck the rest of the year. I appreciate it. Thank you. There you have it, ladies and gents. Michael Annette for Junior Motorsports joining me on episode 26 of Victory Lane 2.0. Really fun condo. Thanks to Michael and everybody over at Junior Motorsports that helped make that conversation happen. Let's look ahead to Darlington Raceway and the Bojangles Southern 500. Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. Why it's not on NBC, I have no idea. That makes me upset. Not much to preview with this race. I mean... There's two races to go in the regular season. You got Kyle Busch and Joey Logano battling for the regular season championship crown. You got Ryan Newman, Daniel Suarez, Jimmy Johnson, Clint Boyer. They're fighting for the final playoff spot. Who gets it? I do not know. We will find out. Joe Gibbs Racing is going to be tough to beat this weekend. Shocker, as they always are. Uh, I think Penske is also going to be tough. They won this race last year with Brad Keselowski. Joey Logano's in a cool throwback that we'll get to. Uh, he's always quick here and. Ryan Blaney, who knows? Like, maybe he could be a little bit of a sleeper. Uh, if, you, if you put a gun to my head and make me pick somebody, I'm going to go with the hottest driver in the Cup Series at the moment. It's Denny Hamlin. I think there's no debating that he is the hottest driver right now. It's crazy to think of where he was six months ago. Like, six, seven months ago, people were calling for his ride. And now he has four wins on the season. He's enjoying possibly his best career season to date. Um, if you look at it statistically and – just confidence-wise, too. He's a new driver, and I think it's showing on track. So I'm excited to watch it because of all the throwback schemes, and we'll get to that next in Lugnuts of the Week. Cue the music. You like how I did that? I don't know. I just kind of, like, did that. Well, the editing happened in post-production. That's the beauty of it, but, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, criminal charges against Tyler Dipple, truck driver for Young's Motorsports, and he also finished second in the K&M Pro Series East Championship hunt last year. They have been dropped. It's a kind of long and weird story, but the cliff notes are, he was speeding in Wallkill, New York, coming back from a dirt race. Um, officers pulled him over for speeding. Since he was going 20 miles over the speed limit, they searched his vehicle. They found a backpack there, and in the backpack was a prescription for Adderall. The backpack was not his. The Adderall was not his. It was his friend's backpack and Adderall. And they, his friend left that backpack in the car. So since he was technically in possession for it, he was arrested. Um, and then this week, the legal system played out. He has since been reinstated by NASCAR um, because it was pretty much one of those misunderstanding type things. More Darlington throwback paint schemes were released this week. Kyle Larson going to run a Ricky Craven Kodak tribute paint scheme. Spire Motorsports honoring MRN Radio on their 50th anniversary. Tyler Reddick throwing it back to Kyle Petty 7-Eleven. Landon Castle, one of my favorite ones, paying homage to Sterling Marlins, uh, number 40 Coors at Dodge scheme. Matt Tiff going with some family roots. Jimmy Johnson, his old Baja paint scheme. Tons and tons of old throwbacks. That is my favorite part of the week. Joey Logano also going with the 2007 Shell Penzoil look that Kevin Harvick drove to victory in the Daytona 500. Him and his wife, Brittany, they did an absolutely unbelievably funny uh, little commercial spot, basically saying, I wear the fire suit in the family, because, of course, that was play on words back in the day with Joey and Kevin and Delana. So, that's funny. Matt Borland, who is Ty Dillon's crew chief, 
he was suspended due to a failed drug test. And then it came out that the drug was diet coffee. Yeah, can't make that up. I wrote in my notes, face palm. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, that'll wrap things up for episode 25 of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor, if you would, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. We got it all going for us here on Victory Lane. Next week, we got my final interview from New Hampshire a few weeks back. It's with another Xfinity Series regular for Joe Gibbs Racing. I'll let you put together the pieces on who that may be. Enjoy Darlington this weekend. I'll be at the beach chilling out and then next week i'll be at a different beach chilling out and then for the rest of the year i will be at a racetrack almost every single weekend working my butt talks off for everybody listening to this show and reading my stuff and watching my stuff so look just know i appreciate you i really do i hope you guys have a great week enjoy darlington and i'll talk to y'all next week right here in victory lane